Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. We are going to continue in this series, More Consistency. More consistency. And uh, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Hebrews 2, verse 11. More consistency. Hallelujah. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason? He is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propriation for the sins of the people. For in that, He Himself, you notice that phrase, huh? He Himself. He Himself. Can I tell you already, can I preach before I'm supposed to preach? He Himself, God Himself through Christ, has already done some things for you without yourself. Without yourself. He Himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. I want to declare a message today titled, Gathering in His Name. Gathering in His Name. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for what You have accomplished. Because, Lord, Your redemption that's in And through only Jesus. That's why today is the day of salvation. Holy Spirit, I think you're going to create faith. You're going to author faith as your word goes forth. For those that hear and believe, you're going to work miracles right when they believe. For your glory. Because your kingdom is at hand. And your word will accomplish what it was sent forth to accomplish to those who hear and believe. It's in Jesus' name. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me highlight just a couple of new covenant realities here in our main text. First, notice that in the new covenant, because of what God has established through the finished work of Jesus, we are children of God. We're not trying to become a child of God. We're not trying to become more of a child of God. We're not trying to become more accepted as His child. We are, past tense, those who have received the new covenant, a child of God. 
And because we are children of God, we are given to Jesus for His kingdom purpose. Notice the text says that we are one. We are one. Why? Because we are one in spirit with Jesus because we're partakers of the same nature through the new birth. Through the new birth, we were born by the Word of God. Jesus is the living Word. Therefore, we are one in spirit. We're the partaker of the same nature. This is why Hebrews continues and the writer says, the spirits of just persons made perfect. Made perfect. Your spirit, if you're born again, can't get no more mature. It can't get no more perfect. Now my English can, but your spirit can't. And that's why He's not ashamed to call you and I His brethren because we're partakers of the same nature. Now we who are sanctified in spirit and He who sanctified in spirit is He who's working to sanctify us in soul and body. Listen, today, if you're born again, Because of the new covenant, Jesus is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed to call you His brethren. To confess you as one of His and the family of God. Did you see the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus through His death has destroyed the devil and His authority to kill at will. Jesus took the keys that the devil had handed to him because of sin and transgression of Adam. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He rendered the devil inoperative. He defeated him through his death. And the text said that as the seed of Abraham, that means those of us that are a part of the lineage and family of Jesus, God gives aid and angelic assistance to you. The writer of Hebrews then says that for he himself being tempted, and yet, of course, he was sinless. Jesus faced every temptation you and I could ever face, and yet he did not sin. He overcame. He's the one who overcame all things. And because of that, though he overcame all things, and because he was tempted, he is an understanding, merciful, and faithful high priest and the things pertaining to God for your life. He understands your vulnerabilities. He understands your battle. He understands temptations. But He overcame all things. And therefore, though He's a merciful, high priest, ready to give us aid and help in our time of need, Jesus gives grace, victory, and aid to those of us who are tempted. And when we are tempted if we'll look to Him and call on His name. Look at verse 12 though. This is what I want to highlight today. says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Jesus, who cannot lie, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, said that He is in the midst of the church when they gather in His name. When we assemble in His name, Jesus Himself, the one who was crucified, died and buried but rose again, who cannot lie for He is truth, said He's in our midst. 
This is why this moment's not just like a TED talk. This is why this moment, this is not a lecture hall or a lecture. Jesus gathers with us when we gather in His name. When we gather for His glory, when we gather for His kingdom, when we gather for His purpose, He is there in our midst. The truth of the matter is, some don't want to hear it and that's okay. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today. It's not the main point, but there's a lot of ministry meetings and a lot of gatherings. But it's not His church and not in His name. They want to be. They're sincere, but it's counterfeit. For Jesus to be in our midst, we have to gather in His name and therefore it's important to understand what it means to gather in His name. Notice what He said He does and will do and continue to do when we gather though in His name. He says, I will declare your name to my brethren and in the midst of the assembly I will sing praise to you. Now, you've been around here long enough, you know Pastor Chad don't play when it comes to praise. If I sense one Sunday morning, I know it's early for those of us that are late, people that stay up late, but when I sense that we're allowing our heaviness or the fact that we're not an early morning person to silence, to sacrifice our praise, I'm going to get up here and challenge and remind us that God's commanded our praise. And He's not just commanded it though, He's worthy of it. Because what kind of man or what kind of person thinks they're too good to praise God when Jesus Christ Himself says when we gather, He's going to give praise. Jesus said this, friends. Listen, He said that I will declare your name to my brethren when we assemble in His name. And in the midst of the assembly... I will sing praise to you. Now this phrase, sing praise to you, refers to hymns. And it refers specifically, it was used referring to the Paschal hymns. And these were Psalms 113 through Psalm 118 and then Psalm 136. The Jews called it the Great Hallel. So this is important because it says that when we gather in His name, Jesus is going to sing. And what he's going to sing is the great Hillel. There's certain truths that he's going to sing and declare right in the midst of us when we gather. What are they? Well, one, uh, Psalm 136, let me hit it first. There are 26 statements in Psalm 136 of what God had done miraculously. And then following each of the statements... For 26 times, it's followed by this. For His mercy endures forever. Psalm 113, I want to highlight a couple things. Psalm 113.1, it says, Praise the name of the Lord. Notice the highlight there. Something about the name. Praise the name. Who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. This is going to hit some of you by the Holy Spirit today. Because some of you, the reason you've stayed and what you've stayed in so long, and God despises it because He provided a salvation and a freedom from it, is because you think that God's too big to be concerned with you. No, God's nature is so loving and merciful. He cannot not be concerned about you. Notice 
this psalm says that He humbles Himself to behold you and I. To behold what we've went through this week. To behold what we've been going through this season. He's aware, He's beholding that when we come and we assemble and gather in His name. And notice what He does. He raises the poor out of the dust. This is a reflection of what we're going to learn about His name and what He seeks every time to do when we gather in His name. And He lifts the needy out of that ash heap that He may seat him with princes, with the princes of His people. Now watch this. And He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Then let me highlight some in Psalm 114. Psalm 114 verse 7 says, Tremble, earth, at the presence of the Lord. The Shema of God. At the presence of the God of Jacob. Then in Psalm 115 verse 9, let me highlight a couple things of this psalm. O Israel, trust in the Lord. Watch this. He is their help and their shield. Someone say, help me, Lord. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. Notice there the focus, help and shield. A deliverer, a protector. Then in Psalm 116, let me highlight a couple things. It says, the pains of death surrounded me and the pains of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow, but then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and He saved me. Return to your rest, oh my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from failing. Notice feet, direction. He is our shepherd. Delivered our soul. He is our banner and victor. Called upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 117, there's only two verses. That might be the first psalm you ever memorize. I mean, it's just two. You can do that. But verse 2 says, For His merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Hallelujah. And then Psalm 118. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. Can I just remind you again, it doesn't matter how long we've been in the season. It doesn't matter all that you've been through this week. When we gather in His name, we're gathering in the place where His mercy endures forever. It doesn't matter if you're in the season where you've been failing time and time again, where your will is starting to bend against God. If you're here today, His mercy endures forever. And then the psalmist said, So I called on the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me, and He set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? All nations surrounded me. Watch this. But in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. You ever been surrounded? You ever feel like you've been surrounded and encamped in a battle? Listen, what's going to save you? 
What's going to deal with the enemy? The name of the Lord will destroy them. They were quenched like a fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. So here in our main text in Hebrew, the quote where it says, Jesus is the writer saying, quoting, saying, Jesus will say, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. It's a quote from Psalm 22. If you're not aware of Psalm 22, Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm of the suffering Messiah. It's a prophetic psalm of, that Jesus fulfilled when He suffered for us, for you and I. Speaks of His cross and His death, but it ends with this. Watch this in verse 30. Psalm twenty-two, thirty: A posterity shall serve Him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare His righteousness to a people who will be born. That He has done this. What it's saying is that a suffering has already happened. It's not going to happen. It's not in the future going to happen. A suffering and a death has already happened. And because it's happened, we declare the good news of Jesus Christ that it's He who suffered and died for you and I. And as we declare that, people get born. They get born again. They get born into the household and the family of God. But did you know this speaks to one of the core values of dwelling place movement? Because all our core values start with M's and one of them is maintaining focus on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Notice that quote of Psalms 2 says that there will be a whole lineage of people that will come about because of the suffering Messiah's finished work. And they will continue to declare His finished work. They will continue to declare that He shed His blood. They will continue to declare Christ crucified. And they will, as they declare it, people will continue to get born again. Now, look again at our main text, Hebrews 2.12, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Notice again what Jesus said He does and will do and continue to do when we gather in His name. He says, I will not just sing, but He says, I will declare your name to my brethren. That's interesting. Well, who's the your of your name to the brethren that Jesus says He's going to declare right in our midst when we gather in His name? It's the name of God. It's who God is. When we gather in His name, Jesus comes and begins to declare God's name. This is specifically referring to the redemptive names of God. You know why He's declaring the redemptive names of God? Because Jesus, on behalf of God, purchased and secured for us seven redemptive needs that we all have because of what sin has done and affected upon our life and the world we live in. And when we assemble in His name, Jesus begins to declare the seven redemptive names of God towards you and I. See, God has revealed His redemptive nature to us in these seven redemptive names. This means that God's nature for you and I, His children, is redemptive. Just because you've always known it, just because you've always thought it had to be this way, doesn't mean it has to always be that way. That's what redemption is. You can be brought back to 
God's design and desire for you. Where sin has affected what sin has called, now we can be redeemed from sin and its effects. So these seven redemptive names provides the primary needs we all have for life and godliness. The nature of God and His redemptive names He revealed in the Old Testament are now expressed and experienced through the finished work of Jesus on the cross and in the name of Jesus. This is why the name of Jesus is now the name above every other name. Because when we use the name of Jesus, Jesus' name represents who He is and what He's done. And it's Jesus who provided the redemption for you and I to be able to experience the redemptive nature of God. See, it's in and through the name of Jesus that we can know and experience the Father and His redemptive nature. So Jesus' blood that He joyfully and willfully shed for the Father and for you, purchased, secured, and put into an account these redemptive promises for your life that, listen, you can experience in your times of need. These seven redemptive qualities of God's nature that were secured and purchased already because of the finished work of Jesus Christ through His blood that was shed and body that was given. Listen, they are already guaranteed and secured and put into an account for you. This speaks deeply on what God desires to do when we gather in His name. When we gather in His name. Because you remember what the context of our main text where Jesus says He'll do this? When we gather in His name. The context is not in the secret place when we're alone. The context is not individualistic Christianity when we just do whatever we want when we want. It is when we gather in His name, Jesus says that this declaration will happen. And why is the declaration so important? Because Jesus said the words I speak are spirit and they are life. Meaning when Jesus begins to declare this, the Holy Spirit begins to perform it. He begins to perform the redemptive nature of God for you. See, when the facts of redemption are declared, the same power Jesus manifested in His ministry is present because His words are spirit and they are life. And we His ministers that are spirit-filled preach by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The Gospels give account how that when Jesus would preach that the power to be healed was present. It was there. Listen, we can gather in His name time and time again and not be aware that His power is present for your need. The need you're facing now. God the Father has acted in the Son through a finished work of the Son, to secure and guarantee seven redemptive needs for you and I. And that is the value of gathering in His name and being consistent in gathering 
Because God knows as we go through life, we're going to have these needs. And when we come into the gathering, Jesus says He's going to begin to declare that the Father's already met these needs through the finished work that He accomplished on your behalf. And as He begins to declare that, the Holy Spirit can then can perform it for you. Let's talk about four of these redemptive names that the blood of Jesus has already purchased in the new covenant for you and I and secured. The first is righteousness. Righteousness. Do you know the world is the way it is because mankind on their own lacks righteousness? They lack the ability on their own to be right with God, to be at peace with God. And because we lack the ability on our own to be right with God, mankind turns to their own ways. But when we turn to our own ways, there's a real enemy who manipulates and deceives and causes pain and chaos and sin and turmoil. The world filled with brokenness and the shambles of desired hopes and dreams. But in Jeremiah 23, 6, God foretold and said, In His days, in the days of the Messiah, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is His name by which He will be called the Lord our righteousness. Here we see our need to be made right. The greatest need of every person is to be made right with God their Creator. The search of every heart and every soul of every person on the earth is seeking to find the answer to quench this inner turmoil of how to be made right. Some of you today, you feel wrong. For some of you today, you're not right. You are wrong. You need to know that the Lord is our righteousness. God's not going to do something to make you right. God's already done something to make you right. And when we gather in that name, it, we begin to de- Jesus begins to declare that because He shed His blood and love for you and His care for you and His body was broken and He was crucified and died but rose that you can be right with God. You don't have to earn it. It's already been purchased. You don't have to try to achieve it. Jesus has already accomplished it. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God has already done something for you, friend. And He's done it through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You're not going to be able to work your way to rightness with God. You're not going to be able to work your way to silence the conscience of your guilt, the shame of your life, and the shame of your past. God has already provided a Savior. God's already provided a Lamb. God's already provided the blood of Jesus Christ that has secured forgiveness for everyone. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what nation you were born in. It doesn't matter what tongue and tribe you are, what color of skin you are. God, the creator of only one human race, has secured for all salvation to anyone who will believe 
that He has already secured and made available rightness with Him, forgiveness of sins and freedom from your past and a cleansed heart and a cleansed conscience and a new start with the new relationship with God your Creator. Jesus took the penalty for our wrong to make us right with God. Jesus died for your sins to give you the right to have a relationship with God. Jesus is not going to die for your sins. He's already died for your sins. You don't have to wait. That's why today is the day of righteous salvation. Jesus died for your sins to give you the right to access the only door to God's house. So many people spend so much money, so much pursuit, so much effort, so much energy, so much learning, like the Greeks, to try to find the door to God's house. Jesus says, I am the door. Search no more. Come to me. I've already made forgiveness for you available. It's already in an account. All you have to do is believe and draw from it, and you'll be forgiven. You'll be saved. You'll be made right with God. It doesn't matter how long you've been a sinner. It doesn't matter what kind of sins you've committed. Sins is just the root of being a sinner. But Jesus makes us right when we trust in His finished work. Jesus bore our sins in His own person. That's why the writer of Hebrews used that phrase to remind us He Himself. Listen, He don't need you to help Him carry your sins. He don't need you to continue on feeling sorry for your past. He don't want you to keep trying to carry the guilt and the shame of your past and your failures and your shortcomings. No, He Himself carried our sins. He Himself was the one God made our sins so that you and I can be made right. Listen, it does Jesus and the Father no good to keep trying to carry the effects mentally and emotionally of your past failures and past sins. That's to despise the power of God and what He accomplished through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Believe His Word today. Walk in the freedom that's already yours and guaranteed and purchased and let go of the lies that bind you. For Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth that it's already paid for, the truth that it's already there for anyone who will believe, and you will be free. How about why not walk in the freedom of being free from the condemnation and the guilt and the shame of the sins of your past? Jesus took our sins upon Him on the cross. Their cause, their effects, and their judgment. So why seek to continue to pay and bear consequences of your sin that Jesus, Jesus has already paid for? Listen, when a mortgage on a home has been paid off and the debt on that mortgage has been paid, you can't pay it again. You can't pay off debt twice. Now you say, well, I didn't know, and you sent the money in. They might keep it, but it ain't paying off a debt that's already paid. They just come move that over into the asset column. You just gave them a bonus. And this is important because of the four and all seven of the redemptive things that God has secured for you and I that sin's affected. It's already paid for, friend. It's already paid for. Now when it comes to other things in life, and we're not talking about this 
today. Things that accompany salvation. I mentioned that the other week. Hebrews go on and say, things that accompany salvation. There is a process. There is a divine design that God has. Listen to me. When it comes to these seven redemptive things that God secured, gathering in His name, there's no process other than hearing and believing. It's You and I should come gathering in His name, resting, knowing every time we gather. These things have already put in our account, therefore I can experience it in this moment. I can experience righteousness and its effect in this moment. There's nothing else I need to pay for it. There's nothing else I need to be anxious about over it. I can rest trusting that it's already been paid through Jesus. He is my righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. Secondly is peace. It's very easy because you've lived this life like I have for us to know as we look around that this world has no peace. Wickedness, sinful willfulness doesn't allow for the peace that comes only from God to be our experience. And humans not at peace are dangerous creations. When we don't have inward peace, we create more outward turmoil of what we have inward. The visible world is made up of the invisible world. So a proverb talks about it's out of the heart that the issues show up in our life. The issues in this world is because man doesn't have peace. The shalom of God, a sense of well-being, a sense of ease, a sense of rest, a sense of lightness. The world walks around heavy burdened. The world walks, walks around trying to achieve more. The world rocks around trying to compete. The world rocks around totally filled with turmoil. But peace is the nature of God and it's one of His redemptive names. That in Christ Jesus, He secured for all humans through the finished work of Jesus. In Judges 6.24, beginning in verse 23 actually, Then the Lord said to him, Him is Gideon. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. To this day it's still there. The Lord is our peace. What's interesting about this story is Gideon was hiding. He was hiding from the conflict around him. He was hiding from the enemies around him. He was filled with fear and torment. And right there in the midst of what surrounded him and confined him, God says, I'm the Lord your peace. As his children, as those who have Look to the finished work of Jesus. When we gather in His name, we come in here because peace is not something we have to achieve. It's not something I work. Jesus, even in His last moments with His disciples, said, and I leave, I give you my peace. A peace that can't be stolen from you. Why can't it be stolen? 
Because God's secured it and guaranteed it in your account. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. He paid for it. We can lose awareness of it. The world can try to distract us from it. The enemy can try to distort our mind and lie to us that we have access to it. But this is what Jesus says when we gather in His name. He's there in the midst of us. And He will declare Jehovah Shema. And as He declares it, because this week things have moved you out of walking in the peace of God. Because maybe this season has moved you out of the peace of God. Maybe people in your life have been used to move you out of the peace of God. As we gather in His name, He declares Jehovah Shema. And the Holy Spirit, boom, moves into your soul and floods your soul with what was already bought and purchased for you, the peace of God. The peace of God. Gathering in His name should be the most peaceful, powerful, desired, relaxed, untense place that you could ever find on this earth. This is where you and I gather as God's children. A God who humbles Himself to behold your life. To know your needs. To know the emotions that you're carrying. To know the battles that you face. To know the questions in your mind. But we come and we gather in His name. He's already secured for us seven redemptive answers that you and I need in this life. We need righteousness. And we need His peace. And when we've lost the sense of it, we can come. And the Holy Spirit, as Jesus declares the name of God, Jehovah Shalom, we can enter back in experientially to the peace of God. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Isaiah 53, 5. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. By His stripes we are healed. For this peace, God's not going to do anything else. He's already done what He needed to do to secure it for you. Listen to me. It is your right and privilege as a child of God to this peace. Jesus took the chastisement. Jesus took where we deserve to be chastised. Where we deserve because we've made a mess of things, because we took a wrong turn, because we made a mistake. Even as a child of God, Jesus took the chastisement. He took thorns and things that try to pierce us and constantly afflict us and disturb us from the shalom, the sense of well-being, and ease from God, His peace. He took it. How dare we believe the lies and seek to add to it? Jesus on the cross said, it's finished. And He bowed His head and He gave up His spirit. It's finished. 
God's not asking you to do anything else, friend, to enter into the experience of what He's already purchased and secured for you because of Jesus, His peace. He's not asking for you to understand more. He's not asking for you to grow more. He's not asking for you to mature more. No, no. This is a salvation that's already been paid and purchased and provided and secured and put in an account with your name on it. He just asks you when you come in here and the Jesus declares the name and reminds you, oh, our God also through Jesus has purchased peace that you believe. And when you believe, the Holy Spirit will make it your experience. That's why Paul says we preach the gospel of peace. In Ephesians 2 and verse 14, For He Himself, that reminds me of Hebrews, For He Himself is our peace. Listen to me. Peace isn't my home. Peace isn't my woods. Peace isn't hunting. Peace isn't my bank account. Peace isn't my relationship with my wife. Peace isn't how this church Uh, moves forward or how members in the church obey God or disobey God. He Himself is our peace. Hallelujah! For He Himself is our peace who has made both one has broken down the middle wall of separation. He's our peace where there's been enmity. He's our peace where there's been confusion. He's our peace where there's been strife. He is our peace. At Jesus' birth, what happened? The angel said, glory to God in heaven and on earth. And what? Peace and goodwill toward man. The redemption has come near in Jesus. And it's peace for all mankind. For every nation. For every nation. Not just Europeans. Every nation, not just Americans. Every nation, Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. By Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. How was peace made for you, friends? How was peace purchased for you, friend? How was peace secured and promised and already guaranteed and put into account with your name? How was it? Did it have anything to do with you? Did it have anything to do with your effort? Did it have anything to do with... No, no. He Himself made peace through His blood. Through His blood. And when we gather in His name, Jesus comes and He begins to remind us because He's the one that secured the nature of God, His redemptive nature for you and I. He's Jehovah Sidkenu. I am your righteousness. You feel wrong? I'm your righteousness. You've done wrongs this week? I am your righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, you've lost the peace of God. Anxiety, questions, trying to figure it out, analyzing, has wrecked your mind. Like a back in the day, I'd go watch car races with my family, and they had figure eights. And we love figure eights because it's guaranteed there's going to be a lot of crashes as people try to go through that crossroad. Some of you got a lot of crashing going on in your mind. You run in figure eights. Jehovah Shalom. I'm your peace. I purchased it for you. So righteous peace, third healer. Next is 15:26. He said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. 
They say, oh, Pastor Chad says if you heed the voice and do all that. Listen, no, no. Jesus fulfilled all that. Jesus fulfilled the law. See, God promised His redemptive nature to Israel based on works. You and I have access to His redemptive nature based on Jesus' finished work. So you and I now, we have His redemptive nature. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Not might heals you. Not even one day will heal you. He's the Lord who heals you. Jesus shows up who is the express image of the nature and person of God. In Matthew 8, 16 and 17, When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon-possessed, and He cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. Why? That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah. So He was doing what God already said He would do. Doing what God said my nature already is. Saying He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Here it is again. Jesus not only bore our sins, He not only bore the chastisement for our peace, but He also bore our infirmities and our sicknesses. God takes no pleasure in you being sick. God takes no pleasure in your body having aches and pains. God takes pleasure in you experiencing what He's already purchased for you. Healing is the children's bread. It's the children's bread. It's your divine right that God secured for you as His child. His right. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.10 said that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. The life of Jesus. What was the life of Jesus? He took every sickness, every disease possible on the cross. But the life of God, He resurrected free, victorious, overcame it all. And now that same life lives in your body. And Paul says that now that life can manifest in our body. What's that mean? The overcoming life. The life of Jesus that swallowed up every sickness, every disease. You read under the curse in Deuteronomy 28, it said in any other disease that's even not in the book, things that's been created by man. He took the curse, bore our sicknesses and disease, and secured for us by His finished work, by His blood, He purchased healing. You say, I've been in a season and I, I didn't know that the Lord not only died for my sins, but He also took this sickness and pain. Well, the good news is, is you're right here. And in His name, He's reminding you, no, our God is Jehovah Rapha. And it's my blood. It's me that purchased it for me. There's nothing that pleases me more than you to receive all that I've done for you in my blood. Listen to me, friend. The same blood that was shed to forgive you of sin is the same blood that has purchased your body to have the life of Jesus manifested in it so that you can run your race, so that you can live your calling, so you can glorify God and what He's called you to do. Psalm 103.3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. How in the world can you and I believe that His blood purchased and was shed to forgive us of every possible sin there is out there? If all doesn't mean also all for sickness. If He forgives all iniquities, and we believe that means every sin, then that means what? And He bore our sicknesses. And you know what bothers people? You know why they get at ease? It's because you're not thinking about you right now. You're thinking about others. But this message is preached to you. Today, it's the word of faith is near to you. I'm not talking about others. It's near you. It's in your heart, 
and in your mouth. See, you thinking about others will rob you from hearing what God's declaring to you. I am the Lord that heals you. You. The religious hate this. They hate it in Jesus' day and they'll still hate it. And if you want to walk in the full experience and blessing of the seven redemptive names of Jesus' blood, then you better expect persecution. You better expect. They hate it. Same in Jesus' day. In Matthew 9, 5, the religious were furious. And, and he looked at them and said this, Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise and walk? Notice this. Forgiveness of sins and healing is always connected. Why? Because Jesus' blood paid the price. It's the same blood. It's the same sacrifice. It's the same Savior. He says, what's easier, to forgive sins or heal? They're the same. Why? Because it's His perfect sacrifice. It's His perfect finished work that secures both. Hallelujah. So salvation is forgiveness of sins. It's righteousness and peace. But it's not just that. Salvation refers to all that Jesus purchased for us through His finished work. And it includes healing for the body and the soul. Lastly, Victor. Victor. Come on, Caleb. In Psalm 8, in Exodus 17, 5, it says, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. Banners were set up to show victory. This is Jehovah Nisi. I am your victor. You've been in a war? God understands because He knows there's an enemy of your soul. God's enemy. And God's enemies become your enemy because you're now His child in the new covenant. But the Lord is your victor. Just like with righteousness, when it comes to victory, listen, God doesn't need to do something else. He's already done it in the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus already paid for your victory. He already paid for the powers of darkness to be broken off your life. He already paid by His same blood that addictions you can be loose from. Today's the day of salvation. It doesn't have to be tomorrow when it comes to the redemptive nature of God and what Jesus' blood has purchased and what He calls today's salvation. Salvation, these seven redemptive qualities that God has already purchased, secured, and put an account with your name on it. You can have it today. You know why you don't have to wait for it? Because it's not dependent on your credit. They don't have to run a report. That's why Scripture said, Whose report will you believe? The report of the Lord's already went out. Jesus says, It is finished. I have paid the price. I have purchased your victory. I have purchased your freedom. I have purchased your healing. I have purchased your righteousness. I have purchased your peace. Psalm 18.2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You remember Psalm 118 when it said, Let those who fear the Lord now say His mercy endures forever. It says, Call on the name of the Lord in distress. You've been in distress, call on the name of the Lord. And what will it do? He'll set your feet on the broad place. Because His banner over you is His victory. 
The Lord is on your side. You don't have to fear. What can man do to you? The psalmist said, All nations surrounded me, but the name of the Lord will destroy them. You have some demons that's oppressed you. You have some addictions that tried to bound you. The name of the Lord will destroy them. Jesus, Jehovah Nisi, will destroy them. He's already purchased the victory over those demons that try to keep you bound in lies and addictions. Oh, hallelujah. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. You know why so many people don't experience victory, though they're children of God? Because though they've finally rested in the fact that only Jesus' blood can forgive them, they're not resting when it comes to areas of addiction and bondage and defeat. you got to rest realizing that the blood has already secured my right to rule over this, my right to be free of this. Father in Jesus has secured it. And it says this, Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. True humility, true humility, true godliness is a people. They don't walk in false humility. They walk in true humility. Saying, I'm righteous. And I have the supernatural peace of God. And my body is healed strong and the Lord is my victory and I'm an overcomer all you arrogant no 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 because Jesus paid for it I don't have this because I paid for it I have it because he paid for it and the biggest thing that can glorify him is for you and I to believe in what he purchased for you and I when it's Christmas time and the presents are down there and there's a lot, you know, in America nowadays. You know, we have a lot in that sense. We have a lot of material prosperity. There's a lot under our tree this year. But when you see your name on one, I know there's a lot of others. But when you see your name on one, you need to believe that it's got your name on it because it's been purchased for you. We gather in His name. Jesus begins to sing. And as he's singing, he's declaring the seven redemptive names of God. To whomsoever will hear, let him hear. To whomsoever will believe, come and drink of what I freely offer and provided for you. Listen, Jesus already won. He already won. He already won over your sexual immorality. He already won over your unfaithfulness. He already won over your addiction, your substance abuse. He already won on your dependence to it. He already won on your addiction to social media and the approval of others. He already won. He's not got to come and die again. He's already done a perfect sacrifice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the victory's already been purchased for you by the blood of His cross. In Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Come on, band. He said, and you being dead in trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed every principality and power. Those are demons. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, the cross. Every demon that tries to bind you, he's already defeated and already won the victory over. Every demon that tries to harass you and lie to you and keep you settling for a life of bondage and weakness and defeat, he's already won the victory 
over it. And that's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. It's the power of God to righteousness. It's the power of God to a supernatural peace. It's the power of God to healing. It's the power of God to victory. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not going to act ashamed by trying to earn it. I'm not going to act ashamed by still trying to wait that it's got to be in the future. Listen to me. The things that accompany salvation, there is a process to harvest it. These seven redemptive things I'm dealing with for today. There's no harvest. The harvest is already here. Today's already the day of salvation for righteousness and peace and healing and hallelujah, victory. Don't let the message of the cross be foolishness to you and you perish. Listen, it's not necessary for you to mentally understand how God had Jesus take your sins, take your conflict stressors, Take your sickness and diseases. Take your addictions and bondages on the cross. Listen, God doesn't call you to have to mentally understand it. He calls on you to believe it. This is the word of faith by which we preach and by which we are made saved, righteous, at peace, healed, victorious. In your heart and then in your mouth. God's not a man that he should lie. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom rule experience in his life. Look at this with me as it ties them all together. Isaiah 53, 6. Maybe you need to close your eyes and just listen. We're gathered in his name. Lord, we repent as a church, this own church. Lord, on behalf, I'll identify with my brethren and my country and churches in this country. Lord, we repent. Where a lot of gatherings, a lot of meetings, a lot of activities happen, but it's not in your name. Because when we gather in your name, you're declaring, and then as you declare, the Spirit's performing righteousness and peace, healing and deliverance. But Isaiah 53, 6, The Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all, For the transgression of people he was stricken. It pleased God to bruise him and make his soul an offering for sin. For he, Jesus, shall bear the iniquity he bore their sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Certainly, he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. With his stripes we are healed. We gather in His name. We gather in the benefits of salvation that His mercy has already provided and accomplished for us. We gather in His name knowing that when we come to the gathering, these provisions have already been secured. They're already waiting and ready for us to enter into experience. It doesn't matter how bad your day or week or month or year or life's been. We run to the gathering in His name to experience righteousness. It's waiting every time. To experience His peace. It's waiting every time. To experience His healing. It's waiting every time. To experience His victory. It's waiting every time. That's why Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe, secure, set on high. Listen, we are to run to His name. You know what gatherings are? They're to be us running to His name. They're to be us running to gather to His name. Why? Because He looks 
upon us because He's a humble God and He knows what we've been through this week. He knows what we've been through this season. He knows what we've been through these last two years. He knows what we've been through in life and He beholds us and therefore we're to run and gather in His name because in His name, through the finished work of Jesus, He's purchased these seven needs we all have for life and godliness and they're here waiting in His presence. Righteousness and peace and healing and victory. You say, this week I need peace. Well, we gather in His name, Jesus, who secured for us the experience of God's redemptive nature, Jehovah Shalom. I am the Lord, your peace. You say, I just got a doctor's report. I've, I, I've been living with a certain affliction. I got more medicines than I can even count. I need three people to keep up with how many so I don't you know, take them or when I take them. Listen, I need healing. Well, we gather in His name, Jesus, who secured for us the experience of God's redemptive nature. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our healer. You say, you don't understand this week I failed. I've been doing so good, Pastor Chad. Or you don't understand I've been a backslider. You don't know how long I've I maybe done things outwardly, but I've hidden my heart from communing with Him. Oh, this week I need forgiveness, Pastor Chad. Well, we gather in His name, Jesus, who secured for us the experience of God's redemptive nature. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. He makes it right. He forgives our wrongs. You say, I fell back into sin. and I haven't been able to shake it. And it's not just been a sin now. Now it's becoming habitual. It's becoming a bondage. There's maybe addiction that's been in your life. And, and this week, it's just been stirred in me again. Listen, this week I need deliverance. I need victory. Well, we gather in His name, Jesus, who secured for us the experience of God's redemptive name, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our victor. Our banner over us is victory. Listen, you don't run towards something that you don't think's already there. You know why we got Americans? You know why we got people no longer gathering? Yeah, of course, the enemy used COVID and all But those are all side excuses. Those are fruits. The roots, as so many hadn't heard the full gospel, so many gatherings ain't gathering in the name, the name of Jesus. And they don't realize that if we'll run to the gathering and we run to the gathering in His name, the very thing I need, the very thing that's been keeping me from wanting to gather, the very thing that's been keeping me from wanting to move forward with Jesus, it's right there, already there in the presence with my name on it, sealed and secured by the blood of Jesus because the King, the Anointed One, was crucified and hung between heaven and earth for you to experience it. Think about it. Then we're not excited to run out the doors, to run out of here and tell others when we are not even running and experience Sundays in His name. But we start experiencing Sundays gathering in His name and we start believing the gospel and entering into the experience of what's already got our name on it, secured by the blood of Jesus. Listen, we will run out of those doors and we will tell more people that could ever fit inside any dwelling place building that we could ever own or build. To say, there's a gathering in this name. And this name has already purchased some for you. It doesn't matter if you grew up Buddhist. It doesn't matter if you claim to be an atheist. It doesn't matter if you're agnostic and you're on the fence. It doesn't matter what religion you come from. Jesus didn't shed His blood for a sect. He shed His blood for the humanity of the world. And whosoever will come to Jesus and He'll forgive and break the lies of your religious tradition and He'll wash away the past, it's already available and ready. 
This is why we're exhorted not to forsake the gathering together, even more so as the days of Jesus gets closer. You know why? Because the needs we all have are going to become more apparent and increase as the world gets filled with perilous, difficult, and stressful days. Oh, he says, just get ready to run and gather more and more. Why would we want to do that? Because he's already secured what we need. And it's here waiting. With every head bow, every eye closed, you're here today. You say, I need this Jesus. To be my Lord. I need this Jesus who died and was buried with rose and, and purchased these things you talked about for me. I, I need Him to be Lord where I can experience them. And I believe He's the only way. And I don't want my life anymore. I want the life Jesus has for me. If you need to confess Jesus as Lord, I want to see your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray for you. But I want to make Jesus Lord of your life. You're here today, you say, Pastor Chad, I'm a believer, but God stirred in me again. He's, he's created now a burning expectation of what can happen when we gather in that name. That what's happened in my week and in my month and in my season shouldn't keep me from the gathering. It should cause me to run to the gathering because Jesus is in the midst declaring what He, through His death, they plowed his back deeply and they plucked out his beard. They spat upon him and they beat the crown of thorns into his head. Whose hands and feet were pierced. Who joyfully and willfully did it for you. But in a personal way to secure the redemption. A redemption that's only in the name of Jesus because He's the only one who did it. Where the wrongs can be made right, the turmoil, the anxiety can be driven out by His peace. It's a peace weightier and heavier than the weight of worry that's tormented you. With the healing it would cause you to live free for what you thought you had to bear so long. To live at ease, free from disease. To experience victory. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.